I'm just really excited for you to join us today for On The Grind. You've had an amazing career. It's been something that I followed for a very long time. And in addition to you being a talented storyteller, you are a phenomenal person. So I'm just super excited for you to be here. And I'm really excited for people to learn more about you and your journey and the steps that you've taken to get there. So I know you went to DePaul. You know, we're DePaul girls. (laughs) But what led you to get to DePaul for journalism? Yeah. So it's funny because my entire life up until like, I think it was my junior, senior of high school, I wanted to be a preschool teacher. And it wasn't until I took the one journalism class that we had at school where I was like, I think I want to do this for a living. Um, And like I said, we just had the one class. So I loved it so much. I took it twice. And um, I really didn't know you know, what other options I had besides writing. That's all I knew I was good at. I had never in a million years thought that I would, you know, be on TV. And so in looking at all the colleges around me, I was like, okay, um, you know, U of I is really good. I got in there. And then DePaul, uh, USC, though, the University of Southern California was my dream school. Um, Unfortunately, it was way too expensive to go. So I was like, well, you know what, DePaul, I think, Uh, It came down to DePaul and U of I. So U of I just seemed like too middle of nowhere, which I mean, it's great for other people, but I needed something, you know, more exciting. And so DePaul was a perfect fit, right? It was in the city. um, You know, there was always something to do. I was still close to home. um, So that was perfect in itself. But um, unfortunately, it was still, you know, too expensive to even get a dorm room there. So for the first two years, I actually commuted. And then the last two is when um, I got my apartment. But um, yeah, ultimately, that's that's why I chose, chose to Paul and I tell everybody it was like the best decision I've ever made just because of all the connections I made the experiences that I had there the best school ever oh my gosh so what did you do at DePaul related to journalism yeah so when I first got there um I started taking like little classes like so like I said, I commuted uh, the first two years and I was involved with the newspaper as much as possible. And, um, you know, I would write uh, everything from, I think it was tennis to, um, you know, track and in volleyball. Um, and then I took video editing classes and I fell in love with that. Um, just so many, it, it really opened my eyes to so much because I went in with the intentions of just focusing on print and, um, I have to give credit to my dad because then he's going to be mad like this. You didn't think about this on your own, but he was like, Mija, you have to think, you know, about everything else in this world of journalism. You have to be well-rounded. You have to do a little bit of everything. And so that's why I ended up taking, you know, those different classes. And then, um, yeah, when I finally got my apartment, I was able to be a lot more involved. So I was, um, you know, writing for the newspaper a lot more. I was writing about basketball, about volleyball. Um, and I was also, um, really fortunate to be part of uh, a radio show with the College of Communications and Univision. So we had a show that we, we basically just made our own. It was a really, really cool opportunity. It was news, sports, entertainment, everything, um, English and Spanish. So it was really cool to, you know, be able to use those skills as well. Um, and then, I actually, my first internship had nothing to do with journalism. I just needed a job to pay for my bills. And um, it was uh, a food marketing internship that um, one of my friends at the time had helped me get. And um, 
yeah, after three months, I was like, I'm over this. <laughs> and I was applying everywhere. And thankfully, um, I think it was my senior year. Yeah. That I finally got like a sports marketing internship. And that was just like my first, you know, sports related, uh, thing. And it was amazing. We got to work with so many different sports teams, um, you know, the Cubs, the bears. And I remember, you know, very vividly, we went to Hallis Hall to do a presentation. And I told myself, I was like, I'm going to be back here, you know, one way or another, I'm going to be reporting on the bears. Um, and sure enough, you know, later on, I did get to do that. So it was really cool. But um, yeah, I did that. And then I was also part of the NHJ um, chapter there at DePaul. So I got to make uh, a lot of really cool connections there. I was part of the Society of Professional Journalists, um, lots of really cool events uh, as well. I'm trying to think what else. Um, yeah, the radio show, uh, the newspaper. Yeah, I just, I kept busy. Um, and I wasn't one of those college kids that would, you know, like go out all the time, which I mean, it wasn't like, I love going out. I love dancing, whatever. But I think at the time I was so focused on, I need to get a job because my parents have sacrificed so much for me to get here that I'm not gonna, you know, just like go get drunk one night and like miss one of my classes. Like I'm just going to miss this class. And I'm like, do you know how much this class costs? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I can barely afford this. And so I was determined to, um, you know, take advantage of all the opportunities that I had there, even, you know, just our professors. Um, a lot of them were either in the business or still working in the business. Uh, one in particular, her name is Beth, uh, Jennings. She is still a morning producer for CBS to Chicago and she is the best. Like she, we still talk, um, you know, with every job that I have, I feel like I talk to all of my professors that I had and, um, you know, they love when we check in and they always have advice for us. So, um, yeah, overall, like I said, I loved my experience at DePaul. I still talk to a lot of the people that I went to school with there. Um, they've, they were friends that turned into family. So, yeah. So what do you feel like those internships really taught you? Are there any skills that didn't necessarily come from like, okay, here's what it is, but you kind of learned along the way. Like what were some of the valuable lessons you learned along the way? I would say um, just like reinforcing the whole, like be kind to everybody that you're working with because you really don't know what anybody is going through. They could be gooding up. They could be putting on a really good face, you know? Um, And just remembering the value in a really healthy work environment. I remember when I had that sports marketing internship, I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to find a place as great as this. Like everybody was so, so kind. Um, And they were so helpful. Like they would always come up to, cause they knew that, you know, marketing wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And they were like, if you want to do this or that, like they let me, um, you know, create my own opportunities, making videos, writing articles. Um, and it was just like such a healthy work environment where I felt like I couldn't ask any dumb questions. Right. They were always there to help me along the way. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say those were the two most important things I think that I learned. Yeah. So how'd you get involved with NAHJ? I know this is an NABJ collab, but I thought it'd be awesome that NABJ and NAHJ in a way are kind of intertwining like through our conversation, um, because I think the work around just developing black and brown journalists is just so important. So I would love to know, like, how did you how did you find out about NAHJ? 
Yeah. So I think I found out about it through maybe like a, a posting on one of the DePaul boards or something, or it might've been social media. I honestly don't remember anymore, but I do remember like finding out about it and thinking I need to join this group because I, you know, I, I want to feel like, um, what's the right word? Like, like I'm included in a group that gets me, you know, like I have this, this different culture and, um, you know, we have journalists, uh, from all over, but, um, being in a group with Latinos that understand, like, um, you know, something as simple as like your jokes or, Hey, I I might be late because my mom's making me food and she's making me eat, you know, like little things like that. Um, but yeah, they have been super, super helpful. Um, and it's been great too, because, uh, they, you know, have like these job boards and everything. And then, um, you know, with every different place that I go to, I feel like I, I always come in contact with, um, different journalists that either were part of it or are still part of it. I remember when I was in Michigan, that was really hard for my first job out of college because, um, there were like virtually no Latinos there. And I remember I reached out to somebody who lived in Detroit, Michigan, and she was like, Hey, I know we're kind of far away, but like, I just want to let you know that I'm here for whatever you need. And I was like, this is amazing. You know, it's, it's so nice to, to feel like you have that support system wherever you go. Um, and I've always wanted to go to, you know, the national conventions that they have. And unfortunately I haven't been to one in person yet, but I did go to the virtual one that they had in 2020, I believe. And that, that in itself was like incredible. I still got to meet some really cool people. I got to meet, um, MJ Ruiz, And since then, like we've been in contact and she's been super, super helpful with my career, uh, with everyday life things like boy problems. Like it's great, you know, like that's the best part, honestly, is not just like, the career stuff when you meet these people, but you get to feel like, you know, you have another friend. Um, So creating those relationships has really been the best part of joining NHJ. Wow. And now you are a leader in NHJ. So let's, let's talk about your leadership role. I'm a brag on you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. No. Yeah. um, I'm the vice president here in the San Diego Tijuana um, local chapter. And oh my gosh, it has been incredible. Like I said, these people turn into family. Um, There have been so many times where I'm like, Hey, um, you know, I, I don't know what the best uh, Mexican grocery store is here. Do you have any tips? You're like, oh, yeah, you got to go here. You got to go there. Um, but we've been able to do a lot, um, a lot of fundraising efforts. Um, we had a really big event where, um, you know, because of those fundraising efforts, we got to uh, get all this money together to, you know, give out scholarships. And that has been like so, so rewarding um, to see all of our efforts, you know, come to fruition. And um, yeah, we had that event where, we had this really cool LA times columnist come out and it was my first time, I think. Yeah, it was, no, I'm sorry. It was my second time emceeing an event. So I was kind of nervous about it, but it was so great. Like everybody was really cool. Um, and yeah, we just keep making like these really cool events where we're like gathering all the Latino journalists and NABJ as well. Uh, they have a local chapter here and, um, we're actually, uh, putting together an event soon where, we're just kind of like inviting people to get to know like the board and, and all of the, um, you know, members. And so little events like that, where I'm just like, you know, I don't think you would get this anywhere else. Like when you have bigger groups, I feel like everybody's extra busy. And so you don't have the time to really like 
be together together all the time. Here in, in San Diego, I feel like it's easier because it is smaller. We don't have as many members, but we do have a lot. And so we're able to make those, um, you know, events feel closer. And so um, it's been an overall great experience with them. Like I said, they have turned into my family. They, they're always checking on me. Um, you know, we hang out, uh, go out to club. Like, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so I, love it. Yeah. I really love that. So your yeah. journey from Michigan, Northern Michigan. So you weren't in Detroit like that is different. I'm a Detroit girl through and through. So I know when you're not like in the Metro Detroit suburbs, it can be kind of rural. Like yeah. it's in it can be rural. You can kind of be like, okay, like no one really looks like me here. Like where exactly am I? So what have you learned as you've transitioned from a smaller market to San Diego? And I know Sandy, you've had another role um, in between that, but those are like two totally different worlds. So what do you feel like has resonated with you since you started your career until now at Fox 5? Yeah. So um, when I was in college, our professors would constantly tell us, you know, if you really want to make it in this business, you have to start in a smaller market. Like, not that it's impossible to start out in Chicago, but um, the the odds are very low. And so they were like, you're probably going to go to a smaller market where you don't know anybody, uh, middle of nowhere, whatever. So I was like, all right, I'm prepared, whatever. I get to Michigan and I'm like, like you said, nobody looks like me <laughs> and nobody really speaks Spanish. It was so different. And, um, I think from Michigan to California, the biggest thing that I've realized that I absolutely need, and I think I can do that now that I'm a little farther along in my career is I need to be in a place where there is a big Latino community. Cause that is so important to me. I, it, it means the world to me to, you know, move to a completely, um, you know, different state and not feel like I'm in a completely different country, almost like in Michigan, it was, it was so different. And here it's like, it feels like a second home because just going to Walmart, you know, I, I don't even say anything to somebody and, and they start speaking to me in Spanish. They're like, Hey, do you need this? Whatever, whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You know, like it's, it's so cool. And, um, little things like that, where, um, I'm just like, I need to be surrounded by those kinds of communities because it helps me feel like I'm back home. Um, and especially like for my mom, she's always worried about me, but she, she loves that for me too. She's like, I'm so happy that you're around, um, you know, people that, that get your culture, that, um, you're able to speak Spanish too. And you don't feel like you're, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Cause, uh, when I was in Michigan, she would be on the phone with me for hours where I was crying and I'm like, I miss home. Like, I just want to go back. Oh um, gosh. but yeah, so it's, it's been a, a journey for sure. But, um, you know, I grew and, and I loved my experience in Michigan. I, I learned a lot of lessons, but I think, like I said, just reiterating that it's very important for me to be, um, you know, in a market where I have that Latino community and sense of support. And so the goal is ultimately to go back home to Chicago. So obviously we have that there. So we'll see. So what do you think some of the issues are that uh, Latino journalists face? So I would say probably the one that, um, you know, I've experienced and I know that a lot of my friends have experienced uh, is the issue with, well, there is no issue, but 
it, it comes up as an issue when people hear our last names and they're like, oh, wow, how did you get to college? Or how did you get this job? Like, they have these awful assumptions that, you know, it's, it's impossible for Latinos to, you know, have the kind of jobs that we have. Um, or if, you know, uh, me as a Latina, I'm able to pronounce uh, an athlete's name in Spanish, uh, you know, with, an, with a Spanish accent. Um, and I still get some hate for that, which is really ridiculous, um, even here in San Diego. But when I was in Rockford, I got that a lot, uh, mm-hmm. where people were just so bothered because I was able to say it the right way. But um, yeah, I would say those are probably the biggest ones. Wow. That's, that's pretty heavy. And I know that you are really active and really vocal about inclusion. Um, and almost recently, you, you did an amazing story on the NFL and the lack of Black coaches. So what was your inspiration to really do some research and put together an incredible package? Thank you. First of all, um, yeah, I, I think I saw a tweet um, that was talking about the fact that, yeah, it was just Mike Tomlin in the league left. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is insane. And, um, I really wanted to do something local about it. And, um, I asked my sports director if he had any contacts. Um, I asked my agent if she, you know, knew anybody. And so ultimately I was able to talk to Jim Trotter about it, um, from NFL network. And he was so, so, you know, gracious with his time and yeah, we got into it. And, um, a lot of the stuff that he said, I mean, it wasn't shocking, but it's still awful to hear, you know, the things that these coaches go through. Um, and then obviously I knew there would be some backlash from it, but it's, it's honestly, at this point, it's just comical, you know, seeing people fight on my page. And then it's like, they don't want to do the research on their own or the research might be going on Wikipedia or like talking to their neighbor and like, Oh, well, my neighbor knows whatever, like little things like that. And they're like, well, I think I saw one today that said like, well, this news reporter isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And I'm like, first of all, who says oh, that? Wow. And second, like <laughs> get a life. Like, yeah, yeah. You're fighting on, on this Instagram page and I'm not going to respond to you. Like I'm so over it. I think I responded to one person just because I had time <laughs> and I was like, listen, dude, like Jim has no reason to make up this story. Uh, he is exceptionally good at what he does. He's very credible. Um, and especially at the local level, like we have no reason to make this stuff up. Like we, we care about our work. We want to make sure that it's accurate every time. And so, yeah, I, like I said, I knew there would be backlash from it, from it, but I, I also knew that it was important to talk about. Um, and yeah, I, I know that some, you know, stations are kind of wary about that, but I like to, you know, despite, um, the backlash that we may get, I, I like to speak up for that kind of stuff because I know that if I won't, nobody else will. Um, and I, I also know that I'm only one of two Latinas on camera at our station. And really, I think we have, we have one black person in production in the mornings. I, I want to say, you might want to cut that out. I don't know for sure. Um, but I know it's, it's hard, um, you know, for us to sometimes bring up these stories. I want to say this, like, where I don't get fired. Um, it's hard for us to bring up stories sometimes that 
we know are important, but you know, some other people might not think that way. Um, so I think it's, it's very important to bring in that diversity in the newsroom to have somebody to speak up for other people that can't. Um, so yeah, like I said, I knew that doing the story was going to be hard. Um, but I'm able, or I'm, I'm glad that I was able to do it in the end. And, um, you know, it, it really opened up a lot of people's eyes, you know, obviously it wasn't all backlash. A lot of it too was good. Like, wow, I didn't know this was happening. And it's like, well, now, you know, you know, so, um, yeah, I'm glad that I was able to do that, but, um, you know, there's still so many untold stories, um, in regards to that stuff. So hopefully, um, that shed some light on it and, um, you know, we move forward in, um, being more, what am I trying to say? We move forward in having more progress. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think anyone who hasn't checked that story out really needs to. Um, I know I was just captivated by you and your passion. It just, it reflected um, amazingly. And also we just celebrated national, I don't know. No, it is national women and girls in sports day. (laughs) And I'm like, is it international? Like it should be international, but we just celebrated. So what does being a Latina and sports, sports journalism means to you? Oh my gosh. It's, it means a lot for me to, you know, be on camera for little girls to look at and be like, Hey, I can do that one day. They might end up not doing that, being a nurse, a teacher, whatever, but at least they know they have that option. Growing up, I never knew that I could even do that. You know, I, I didn't see anybody who looked like me who could speak English and Spanish, um, you know, on camera. And so it's, it's really important for me to represent that. Well, I've had, you know, parents come up to me and be like, Hey, like my daughter loves watching you and she really wants to do what you do one day. Um, or like getting really nice comments, like messages on social media about that sort of stuff. So it means a lot for me. Um, I know when I was starting out in this business, I reached out to Sierra Santos who used to work in Chicago. Now she works in Phoenix, Arizona. And, um, yeah, it's, I, at the time, I still didn't know like a lot of other Latina sports journalists. So I was like, I'm going to reach out to her. And she was so, so helpful, um, you know, with uh, job searching and interviews and all that stuff. Um, And especially, I will never forget it. Like after my Michigan job, after I left for, uh, after about a year, I had that big interview with Rockford and um, I was like, I'm so nervous. Like um, maybe, you know, this isn't for me. She's like, you're fine. Like you can do this. She was like my biggest cheerleader and I will never forget that, that she was so supportive and she still is to this day. Um, so hopefully, you know, uh, we have more Latina journal sports journalists in the field. Um, and, uh, I'm so, so grateful for the women that have paved the way for me. Um, and I only hope that, you know, we, we see more along the way. Yeah. And what would you say to the little girl who looks like you and, sees you now, what would you say to her if she's thinking about following this path? I would say, you know, don't doubt yourself. I know that it's easy to, but regardless of what somebody tells you, if you can or cannot do this, you you shouldn't listen to them. You know, it's, it's easy to fall into um, that hole of, oh my God, well, all these people say that I can't do it don't listen to them. You know, you can do whatever you set your mind to. And as long as you're, you know, surrounded by people that support you, those are the types of people that you need to be, you know, around 24 seven, because the other people don't matter. The ones that do matter will tell you, 
you just, you know, you need to practice or you need to, um, you know, take this class, whatever, they will be there to support you. Um, so regardless of the rejections, um, don't give up, you know, uh, know that you can do whatever you set your mind to. It's beautiful. I'm like, I'm looking about to cry. I'm like, wow, this is emotional. Oh my God, I love it. Like, you're, you're really everything. And how can people follow your work if they're not already? Um, what are your platforms, your social media? Yes, of course. Um, so on Twitter, I believe it is J Samantha Rivera. And then on Instagram, it's Samantha Rivera TV. Um, Facebook page is also Samantha Rivera TV. Yes. So. I was so happy that we were able to get together and you're able to drop these gems on us. <laughs> I am forever appreciative of you. I just think you are a beautiful person inside and out and journalists. I'm happy to have you in my tribe of people that I can text randomly and be like, can you help me with this? I don't know what I'm doing. And you're just always so gracious. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on this. It, It means a lot that you thought of me. So thank you.